we're back together. We're looking forward to this new spring semester, and I get the privilege to start out the new year with a conversation tonight about vision, okay? Not the Marvel superhero vision, okay? <laughs> Even though that would probably be a pretty cool sermon, maybe maybe later. Another, another night, another night. No, tonight we're talking about vision, and, and specifically, we're talking about God's vision for your life, okay? So what I want to do, let's read a short scripture that really sets the stage for the significance of this conversation, and then we'll get rolling, cool? So we're going to read Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Okay? Like I said, it's a short scripture, right? So I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, again, we are humbled and we are grateful that we get to come together tonight, God. Lord, I'm grateful that every single one of our friends in this community made it back to Fairbanks safely and grateful that we get to start this new year together and we get to experience what a great community with you is like, God, but ultimately that we get to grow closer to you in a relationship, Father. Lord, I pray that this word that you've just placed on my heart and I know our community's heart tonight would just sink in deep, Holy Spirit, that you would speak tonight, God. Lord, we love you, Jesus, and we thank you that you're in our midst. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So let's have a little participation, shall we? How many of you guys, raise your hands, okay, um, have ever asked the question, what am I going to do with my life? Yeah, there it is. That's what I want to see. Literally everybody in the room, if you didn't raise your hand, you're either lying or you've just grown up knowing exactly what you were going to do with your whole life, right? So tonight, this, it's literally like, like, this is one of those questions that does, it enraptures us quite often. And, and for some of us, it even, it's something we think about almost every single day, right? And, and I'll be honest, it's okay. Like, that's okay for us to be thinking about it so much. Because, it, as a matter of fact, it's a very important question that we have to ask ourselves. Because by answering that question, you begin to make the decisions, like, like not just big decisions, but even daily decisions, that will ultimately begin to affect where your life is going to go, right? So uh, when I was thinking about this, uh, and this question just came up as I was praying and just thinking about God's vision for our lives, and, and I was reminded of just kind of a moment I had in my own life, okay? So come back in time with me a little bit. It was my junior year of high school, okay? So the good old days, right? Uh, I'm in class, and a conversation began about colleges, okay? A lot of us were just talking about, hey, where are you going to go to school? And everybody was bragging about, oh, I want to go to A&M or UT and blah, blah, blah. And, and the later part of the conversation was, it goes, okay, so what do you want to study? Now, there was a time in my life when I was pretty good with computers, okay? That time is long gone. I'm not that great with computers anymore. But there was a season when I was, like, up to date on all the networking stuff and, and really knew my way around a computer and what to do. And, and some of you guys know this, I've always loved movies. Like, if, there's, if, if I've got free time, if I'm flying on an airplane, I'm the guy that's watching every single movie that's free online, right? Like, that's, that's my deal. Um, and so naturally, I was decent at computers, and I love movies, so I was going to base my life's pursuit off of a movie role, okay? And what that role was going to be essentially was, have any of you guys ever heard the term guy in the van, right? Like, anybody know that term Spider-Man reference there for you guys? That, that was, that was my, 
Guy in the chair, guy in the chair, guy in the van. That was my pursuit in life. Essentially, if you think about movies where there's this unmarked or this van that's parked on a block that's like marked DOT or like random plumbing service, but then the guy opens the door and it's full of computer screens and wires and all this stuff, and there's just one guy that knows everything and like is searching all this stuff, like like reading the matrix on the screen. Like, yeah, that that was what I wanted to do. I was like, that sounds sweet. I want to do that, right? And so I had this in my mind, and then all of a sudden I hear about this degree program at Sam Houston State called Digital Forensics. And I was like, that sounds cool. This actually sounds like the degree that I want to do. This sounds like it's going to set me up for my life. And so naturally what I do, I signed up to go to school at Sam Houston. I got in pretty easy because it was a pretty easy school to get into. Didn't even have to write an entrance essay. Yes. Um, and, and basically I got into the program and I was excited because they were going to teach me how to be a hacker to stop hackers, right? Like that was the whole goal. And so it was going to be my life. I was going to be the guy in the van, right? So fast forward a couple years, I get to Sam Houston and I'm going through the intro course to this digital forensics program. Okay. And literally I'm looking at the matrix on a piece of paper. Okay. Like Literally, I'm on my midterm, and it's a full sheet of paper filled with four-digit number sets of binary, okay? If you guys don't know that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what it is. It's 1001010101000100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100100
I know that many of you in here probably have solid plans for your life, you know. I'm, please hear me out. I'm not telling you guys who are like senior year in your engineering program to totally drop your engineering degree and look for something else. Please, that's not what I'm saying at all, okay? Because likely a lot of you guys really have thought about your life and you've already got stuff in motion and it looks really great, okay? And so I'm not really wanting to address that. But what I do know is that many of us in this room have struggled with not necessarily the question of what am I going to do in my life, but rather you've been struggling more with the question of God, what do you want me to do in my life? Y'all hear that? And so tonight, as we jump into this, I want us to begin to answer this great question that many of us in this room probably have. Whether you have just thought about it randomly or you've just had a moment that you've wanted to go ask for prayer of like, I just want to figure out what God's will for my life is, right? Well, tonight, I can pretty confidently say we're going to answer that together. Cool? So where we're going to go is we're going to go back to that verse that I shared in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. And we're gonna, I'm going to share it a little bit more, not just verse 26, but verse 26 and 27. Okay? Y'all with me? Yeah. All right. So here we are in Genesis chapter 1. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You see, we find God here in the beginning creating the universe. And it's an incredible account of creation, right? And in the midst of this whole moment, God establishes a garden, okay? And in this garden, he creates man. Now, to be honest with you guys, this is like one of my top three verses in the Bible because I talk about this moment in Scripture like so often, right? And so this, I, I really love this. This is probably that moment where Alex is like, Kevin's a sleeper because he thinks about this. Well, likely I'm thinking about Genesis 1. So just heads up, if you ask me a question, I'm probably going to tell you about Genesis 1. Um, but right now, there's a part in the first portion of Scripture where God, where it says... Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, okay? This is a really, really, like, beautiful verse, and it's rather important. Theologians actually call this the Imago Dei, okay? That we're not, we, in, in everything in the entire universe, we're the only beings created that share the image of God, right? And that's really cool. This is actually really significant. And we could spend a long time kind of, Un unpacking that and processing just this idea of the Imago Dei. And what I love out of, out of all of this is just that simple fact that out of anything, whether it's physical or spiritual, we are his image bearers, right? But in this moment, there's a second part. And this is why, actually, it's not just that it's the Imago Dei, that we're in the image of God, that this is one of my favorite verses. It's actually the second part. Because it doesn't just say, Let's create man in our image. God goes on to say, after our likeness, okay? Not only were we given life or given an image, we were actually in this moment, we were given a vision for that life. You see, in, in Hebrew, the original language of, of the Old Testament of the Bible, the word used here for likeness is actually demois. And, and which basically means likeness, like that's why it's translated this way. But the root word that this demois is derived from, because they had to change the word because of literary form and rules in ancient Hebrew that I fully don't understand, but they had to change it. But the root word that it comes from is demah. And this word demah 
is used whenever the description of likeness has a much deeper context. Not just likeness and image, not just likeness and like looking in a mirror and say, oh, that image looks like me, but rather it's likeness in mind and in action. Basically, it's likeness and character. Y'all follow me? And so we begin to see that there's actually a little bit something deeper here than, than God is just saying, let's create man in our image and our likeness, not just kind of repeating that statement of image, but he's actually declaring something more in this moment. But here's the interesting part that I've always just been questioning in this, in this scripture, it always comes up in my mind, is that in the end, in verse 27, when God actually says, we created man in our image, we find that it actually doesn't say we created man in our image and likeness. He just keeps repeating that we created man and woman in our image. You pick up on that? And, and what I believe here, what I believe that the author of Genesis is being communicating is essentially this, that his likeness was not something that would be instantly created, but rather something that would be patiently developed. Okay? You see, we find here in the very beginning of the Bible the answer to the questions of what and whose we are. And that is that we're created in the image of God. Okay? That is what we are. That is who we are, the image of God, his image bearers. But it's also here that we discover God's vision for our lives. And that vision is his likeness. More specifically, Christ's likeness. Okay? So let's actually, in this moment, I want us to jump ahead in our Bibles. I want us to go to the book of John. Okay? And as you get there, I'm going to set the stage about this and, and, and tell you guys that the Bible has a lot more to say about God's vision for our lives. And one of the best examples that I, I believe we can find for this is actually Jesus' interaction with Simon Peter. Okay? And so if you go to the book of John, we're going to be in chapter 1, verses 40 and 42. As you find your way there, let me just tell you what's happened here. Jesus has actually just been baptized, and he's begun his season of ministry. Okay? And what's happening exactly in this moment is that two of John the Baptist's disciples have left John to go and follow Jesus. Y'all with me? And so we're going to pick up right here, and it says this in verse 40. One of the two who heard John the Baptist speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother, Simon, and said to him, We, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, basically, this is Jesus's first interaction with Simon Peter. And in this moment, Jesus does something so simple that we glance over it as we read. Okay, you see, Simon is brought to Jesus and Jesus looks at him. Okay, that's it. Just Jesus looks at him. And now, again, you know, we got to dig into the language here a little bit. Again, I like to think on things a lot, so I look at the original language. And so in here in the New Testament, it's originally written in Greek. And so when we go to the original meaning of Greek for the word used for look here, when it says Jesus looked at Simon, it's better understood not just as looking at something, like I were to look at Keaton, right? The actual Greek word here used would be better understood as to look through something, okay? And what is being understood here is not just necessarily looking through something, but it would be as if I were to look at my wife, Lindsay, and, and I'm looking at her because I know her so well, because we've spent almost 10 years of our life together. Does that make sense? 
And so in this moment, what we're seeing is not just that Jesus simply looked at Simon, but that he looked through Simon, that he knew Simon better than Simon even knew himself, right? Now, why is this an important distinction to make in this moment? Because the very next thing that Jesus does is he gives Simon a new name. Jesus sees him, looks through him, and says, you are Simon, son of John, but now I will call you Cephas, which is Peter in English. That's where we get the word Peter, which literally means rock, okay? Not like, like there's no like flashy symbolism here. It's, it literally just means rock, piece of solid earth, rock, okay? Y'all with me? Now, why is this significant? Well, many of you guys may know this, that if you continue to read in the New Testament and the Gospels, when we find Jesus interacting with the disciples, is we begin to learn more about Peter and the type of man he is, right? And, and as we find out that Peter actually has a very strong personality and character, you know, and many times this character contradicts itself, okay? Like, there are some incredible moments where Peter is, like, full of faithfulness and maturity and wisdom. You know, there's this moment where Jesus takes the disciples out to Caesarea Philippi and asks, who do you say that I am? And Peter is the only one to respond, you are Christ, son of the living God. It's like a beautiful moment in scripture, right? One of these, like, mature, wise moments, like, way to go, Peter, you figured it out, you know. But then literally, like, a few Script, like verses later, we find moments of just incredible immaturity and foolishness and disloyalty come out of Peter, right? Where in, in literally a few verses later, after that moment on Caesarea Philippi, you have Peter that's basically calling Jesus out and saying, no, that whatever you said is not true. That's not going to happen. You're not going to die on a cross. And Jesus literally has to say, no, get out of here, Satan. You like, like literally calls him, no, you are the devil, leave, right? This is Peter. This is so interesting, right? And the thing about him is that though he has the strong personality that contradicted itself, we can best say that he was someone who was, who was ununified within his character. He wasn't able to act in complete unity. Though he had these great attributes, he was never able actually to pull them all together and function. But you know what's interesting is that the first time that Jesus encounters him, when he looks at him, looks through him, knows everything about his life, what does he do? He gives him a new name, right? Jesus sees Simon, knows everything about him, and declares a vision over his life of who he is to become. That he was not meant to be Simon, impetuous, rash, and ununified. That he was meant to be Peter, strong, consistent, and whole, right? He gives him a new name in which the exact definition of this object in its nature is unity, rock, right? And you see, when Jesus interacted with Peter, his intention was not just to give him this life-altering encounter and then leave him the way he was. His intention was to work towards and witness the image of God that was Simon become more into the likeness of God, Peter. And in this same way, does Jesus look not just at you in the room, but looks through you with the vision of you becoming more like God. You know, that question I referenced earlier, the what am I going to do with my life? Well, you know, to God, for those of us in this room who already know and declare him as Lord and Savior of our lives, 
that question is actually already answered in eternity. He knows where you'll be and what you'll be doing for eternity. And it's simple, that, that you're going to be with him ruling and reigning in the new heaven and the new earth. For him, he's not as concerned about what you'll be doing in this life or where you'll even be doing it. Though oftentimes I feel like we get hung up on that fact and we ask that same question of God, I just want to know your will for my life. God, what do you want me to do, right? No, the greater concern and question he has for you is who are you becoming? Because he already knows the where and the what of eternity. What is left unanswered is who we will be like for eternity. You follow me? You see, God's vision for our lives is his likeness, Christ's likeness. That wherever we are and whatever we're doing, his heart is to see us be shaped more and more into the likeness of Christ. You know, I love that part that God was like speaking through Paul and shared that verse earlier. Because when I hear that verse and I think about like having to be in my relationship with the Lord and seasons of life and trying to figure out like, God, what do you want me to do? Or, or these circumstances I am just like, Jesus, please just fly me over this or help me run straight through it. Or I'm having to walk through this scenario. Like I, I, I love hearing that verse because what I hear is that in each one of those cases, God, yes, you may be going through a circumstance, but God doesn't necessarily care about the circumstance you're going through. He cares about you and who you're becoming through that circumstance. That yes, he, you, you may, he may grab you and fly you like on eagle's wings through whatever you're going through because he loves you so much and he doesn't want you to have to experience this, this situation. Or he may be looking at you and recognizing that, no, you, you need to walk through this. You need to grow closer to me. You need to grow in this area of your life because I'm more concerned about who you're going to be for eternity than I am about who you're going to be in this world. Does that make sense? His heart is to see us be shaped more and more into the likeness of Christ. And that's his vision for us, right? So as we kind of bring this to a close, as we, as we wrap up this conversation, how do we do this? How do we pursue the vision of Christ's likeness over us, right? Well, it's three things. First, I would say this. It's simply obedience. All of us in this room... While in the midst of life, I believe one of the best questions we can continue to ask ourselves is what was the last thing God told me to do, right? You know, maybe the last thing God told you to do was to quit sinning or maybe in some unhealthy habit that you knew wasn't good for you or knew you weren't knew wasn't good for your relationship with God. Maybe it was to take more responsibility. Maybe to become a small group leader or you recognize something that you could do to help the small group that you're in, a way to serve, right? Maybe it was a way that you can love your family more, you know, or be more involved in your classes, right? Or maybe a way that you could be a better student. Or maybe it's something as simple as God just wanting you to read your Bible daily, you know? Like, there are so many things that we can just sit back and just ask this question of, like, God, what was the last thing you told me to do? Maybe even in this moment, he's telling you right now that you need to either begin a relationship with God, make him Lord and Savior of your life, or you need to take your relationship and you need to get right with God, right? It's obedience. 
The first thing we can do to pursue the vision of Christ-likeness is to obey. Do the last thing God told us to do, and then do the next, and the next, and so on, right? I had a really sweet moment uh, back in Texas, uh, kind of in the midst of being an intern and, and kind of the future of moving to Alaska. I had this, uh, I got to get coffee with uh, one of our uh, just senior pastors down in Texas who had been there for years. His name was Pastor Maddox, and he was just one of those, like, grandfather type of figures that you're just like, man, this is so sweet. I know you love us, and just you've got so much wisdom. And so while we were talking, I began to ask him just kind of his story, like how did he wind up in Conroe and, 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 and just serving this church? And he told me that, you know, there was one time where he was just living his life, and then he had a vision of the Lord essentially placed him at the bank of this lake, right? And he looked across the lake, and what he saw on the other side of the lake was a church. It wasn't like some marked church, or it didn't say a new place or whatever. It was just a church, and he knew that he had to get to the other side, but he didn't know how, right? And as he's standing on the bank, and he looks down at the water, all of a sudden, this rock floats up out of the water and then stops right above the surface. And he recognizes that he has to take a step, you know? And so then he takes that step on the rock, and then he stands and he waits. And he waits, and he says, I had to wait a while, and then another rock came up. And when that other rock came up, I recognized that this was the next step I needed to take. So he took that step. And he said, so on and so forth. Did those rocks just keep coming up slowly, and I just kept taking the next step and the next step and the next step? And what he began to say is I recognize that this vision that the Lord was giving me was just simple obedience. That though I may have a dream or a thought or a plan of a life that is way on the other side of this lake, that what God has asked me to do is just simply obey one step at a time. Not try to make some crazy plan on how you're going to try and get some life jacket and canoe and paddle your way across the lake as fast as you can to reach the goal as fast, but to simply sit and wait with the Lord and to just simply obey. Do one thing, then do the next and the next. So the first step towards Christ-likeness is to obey. The second that I would give us tonight and how we pursue this vision of Christ-likeness is having a willing heart. You know, oftentimes when we think about our lives and we think about the plans and the futures that we have, we focus on our abilities, okay? We think thoughts of like, well, what am I good at? Right. You know, back when I was telling you all the story about me going to college to be in digital forensics, ultimately, I thought, man, I'm, I'm pretty good with computers. I understand them pretty well. You know, I have I'm, I'm pretty good with this ability. Right. Or you ask the question, what 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 can I enjoy doing? Right. And oftentimes, that though these thoughts are kind of normal and OK, they translate, I believe, oftentimes into our relationship with the Lord. That in times when we're asking this question of God, what do you want me to do with my life? we're actually beginning to hinder or limit what God would actually want to see happen through our lives because we're saying, oh, no, I, I, I can't do that because of X, Y, Z. I'm not able to actually go and do this, or there's no way I could move to this place, or, or I can't block out time in my day right now. Like, like you begin to limit because all you're doing is thinking about what you're able to do. When instead, I believe it's far greater for you to spend time and, and, and actually when God begins to tell you things to do, Instead of thinking about if you're able or not, just simply saying, God, I'm willing, right? 
And it's pretty beautiful that many of you guys in the room, many of you guys are small group leaders, and you were probably sitting having a moment of panic and, and wondering, like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I've got class. I've got work. I've already got my other friends. I've got my family. Man, to lead a small group? I don't know. This sounds crazy. But when you begin to switch and you recognize, instead of thinking if you're able to do it, but rather, God, I'm, I'm willing, you recognize, and, and so many of you small group leaders in this room would, would resonate with this with me, that, no, like, this was completely possible, and thank God I had a willing heart to actually go through with this and see what God would do with my life, just simply loving people and being someone's friend, right? Having a willing heart. The added bonus to this is that though we may not think we have the abilities to do what God said, he does, and he can always make the willing able, time and time again, right? The last thing I would share with you guys and how we can pursue Christ's likeness, this vision that God has for our lives is simply through prayer and abiding. Spend time with God. You know, we, the, I would almost guarantee that 95% of the conversations we have or the sermons we preach with you guys, we're always talking about abiding. We're always talking about devotions. We're always talking about prayer. Why? Because it's that crucial, <laughs> right? And here, the, the, I, I have, a, I have a, a special heart in this conversation with it because, seriously, if, if we want to become more like him, then the most obvious thing we can do is to spend more time with him, right? I, I, as I think about this, I begin to think about, you know, back when I was a kid, one of my favorite compliments that anyone would ever tell me is like, wow, he, like, like Kevin, you are just like your dad. Like, like, if many of you guys, I don't, I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this. I had a really great relationship with my father growing up. He was my hero. He was my idol. And if anybody, if any of the family, friends, or whoever we were hanging out with, if they simply said, Kevin, you're just like your dad, that was like the greatest thing I would ever hear someone tell me, right? It would get, I would be so excited, and I would love it. And, and I began to realize, well, how, 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 was, how would they know that I was like my dad? Well, because I was acting like him. I was saying the same things he was. I was learning how to live life in the way that he was teaching me, right? Well, how did all of those things happen? I actively pursued to spend time with my dad, right? And, and it's actually, Lindsay and I, we're in a beautiful spot with, with raising our family and our kids where, where we're actually in this moment of hearing not, you know, when I was growing up as a kid and I would hear those words, I would be so excited and so happy, but now we're, we're hearing, like, family and friends say things like that over our kids, like, oh, Ellie, you're, you're just like Lindsay. You're always wanting to find a need, and you always love people so well, and you're so kind. Or hear people say, Zach, man, you're just like Kevin, that you, you love to just focus in on something, you know, or you're just, you're kind. And just hearing people say that, it, it's, so, it's so special and it's so sweet to me being a father and Lindsay being a mother, right? But in both of these scenarios, it, it paints this beautiful picture that we have with our Lord, right? That one of the greatest compliments any of us could ever hear is not like, man, or, you know, like, oh, you look so great. You know, what workouts have you been doing? Or, man, you're so smart. Way to go on acing that test. But rather, one of the greatest compliments we could ever hear is more like, wow, I, I see Jesus in you, right? The way that you love me is showing me that Jesus is, is real and that he loves me, you know? That's Christ's likeness. 
And that would be what I know for a fact is God's vision over each and every one of us. It's in the same way that we have a heart for you guys to pursue spending time with God. The more time you spend with him, the more you become like him. The longer Simon spent time with Jesus, the more he became Peter. Right? I've got one more scripture to share with you guys this evening as we wrap this up. I found it fitting to start year 2022 reading um, Revelation. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> So we're going to be, uh, this is just, it's a, it's a quick verse. It's in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. You see that? I went. I started at the beginning of the, of the Bible. I went to the middle, and now I'm at the end. Do you like that? Um, here we go. Revelation chapter 2. It's in verse 17. It says this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. This is our preferred future for every one of us in this room and on our campus, that we would all become conquerors, overcomers, right? That we would share with the Lord in this hidden manna, this, this life that he has to give, but that ultimately we would all share that special moment with God where he gives us a new name because he knows us better than anyone else and we've become so much like him that his creation of us becomes complete and we get to enjoy eternity together right and so tonight as we've answered this question of God what do you want what do you want with my life what do you want me to do with my life you know really the the what and the where and the how you know, those things aren't as crucial or as important to him. You know, if, you, if you're wanting to pursue God's vision for your life, God's will for your life, I would encourage you guys to rather ask the question of God, who am I becoming through you right now? And I would guarantee that whatever circumstance you're walking through, whether it's, it's full of celebration and joy and you're on a mountaintop with God, that he'll continue to speak to you and he'll continue to build you up and, and bring you in closer, right? But I would also guarantee that if you're in the moment of a difficult experience or circumstance and you're in the valley, and instead of asking God, why would I be going through this? What, what is this? Why would I be treated like this? Instead of asking those questions, pursuing God and saying, God, who am I becoming right now through you, Right? that the, your interaction, your moment with God, I, I promise will be more precious and intimate. And so tonight, as, as I, I bring this to a close, I simply just want to pray over us. As we come into this new semester, as we begin to, to come into 2022 in this community, really believing that what God has done in us, he wants to do through us, right? I want to pray over you guys as you go into your classes, as you go into work, as you go into loving the people around you, right? And really just believing that we're going to ex continue to experience God do incredible things in our midst. And it's not because of what we do, but it's because he's more concerned about who we are becoming, right? So I'm going to pray, and then you guys, we can wrap up, and you guys can go have fun and hang out at after hours and get to encourage each other. Cool? Lord Jesus, again, we are grateful for you, God. I thank you, Lord, that 
we are just surrounded by you, Holy Spirit, and that you speak to us, God. And I'm so grateful, Lord, that you care far more about us than just giving us a task or a job to do, that it's not about what we're going to do or where we're going to do it in our lives, but God, you are more concerned with who we are becoming, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that tonight as we leave this place, that Holy Spirit, would you speak and give dreams or give visions over each and every person in this room that you would share with them the person, just, just, a, just a, a glance or just, just a moment of the person that you are just desiring them to be in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, in the same way that you looked at Simon and declared that he was to be Peter, God, would, would you just share a moment like that with each and every one of us? In your name, Jesus, would you do this, God? that we may walk through the next days and weeks and months and years of life growing closer to you, knowing, God, that for eternity you have loved us enough to see our lives change, to see our character form and shape to become more and more like you, Jesus. Lord, would you be with my friends? Be with them as we go into this semester. Be with them in their classes, God. May they have favor with their professors. May they just have have plenty of time to study and understand the material that they're pursuing right now, God. Lord, would you bless them in their jobs, Lord? Would they have favor with their coworkers and their bosses and their managers, Lord? And Father, would you just bless them, help them to sleep, help them help two hours feel like eight hours, Father, that they would just be rested, Lord Jesus. And Father, I just pray that this community, this family would be equipped to love and to serve not just each other, but to serve this campus with everything we can so they would know that you, oh Jesus, love them. Thank you again, God. In your name we pray. Amen.